Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, New Song Family Church. Uh, like I asked you last week, do you miss me? I miss you. I really miss you. We run into people occasionally. I just want to run and hug them. And of course, we're not supposed to hug. So, so good to have you here with us, even though we're not seeing each other. Thank you for joining us uh, in our worship service. Uh, today, we want to look at how do we run like a champion? Have you ever been to a long distance uh, race? Possibly you were in it or you were a spectator, but if you were there in any capacity, uh, maybe you were noticing the different styles of running that runners have. Well, let me just give you a few of them that I have picked up whenever I have done some 10K runs. There's always those frontline runners that get right on the line. They're looking at their watches. They're just kind of like really, just really into it and everything. These are the fast runners. They're usually very light on their feet throughout the race. They have this really fast pace. Uh, they're checking their watches as they fly across the finish line. Very often they'll do this as they go across the finish line. Their victory with long, long strides uh, as if they could have run a whole nother race. There's those. Then there are the steady runners. They know their pace that they have been training to do this race for. They never ever alter that pace and they finish the race exactly at the same pace that they started the race with and they just do it like that, the steady runners. Then next comes the sporadic runners. They run a little, then they walk a little. They run a little, and they walk a little. And they usually plan the race to make sure they are actually running across the finish line. So they walk, you know, and kind of judge the last 200 meters. So they'll kind of walk a little bit so they can get that run in to be crossing the finish line as a runner. Then there are the children that have entered the race. The children, always play the entire race. They do these spurts and they run ahead and they chase each other, they play chase, and they dodge, and they run into the steady runners very often. They try to trip each other very often right in front of the steady runners as they're going like that. They stop and they throw rocks in a pond. They look at things, they, they talk a little bit, and then they run again, and then always, at the finish line, they are racing each other as they come across the finish line. Next, you'll find what I call the plotters. The plotters are actually kind of miserable to watch. They uh, go and they will finish this race, but every step is like painful to watch as you're watching them. They are not having fun and they definitely despise those blasted children that keep running in front of them. Last are the ladies. The ladies who plan from the outset to walk the entire race. They're going to be having a good time. They've invited their girlfriends. They have their strollers with their children in their strollers. And they're pushing the strollers. They might have dogs on their leashes and they're even carrying their huge slurpy cups so they can stay well hydrated as they go through this race. They laugh and they talk and they have so much fun that they never even seem to notice that they have entered a race. They're there. The Bible has quite a lot to say about running 
and how we should be running in our Christian walk. Let's look at some verses that Minty actually used in her testimony that she was referring to. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, when we look at that verse, we are surrounded by a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. We have all these that have gone before us. You know these people that actually walk through this world. We study them. We quote them. Walk through this world and stay so faithful to God no matter what came their way that we are surrounded by that. And it says to let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Like I'm talking about, like those racers in the, on the front line. They usually have on just a little bit of clothes. They don't have on a lot of clothes. They will even make sure their shoes are so, so light. Everything is planned to be as lightweight as possible with nothing encumbering their run. It says, especially take off the sin that so easily trips us up. To be purposeful of choosing to let go of sin in our life. To let go of anything that slows us down in this racing. And it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I like that because my race is not your race. Let us run the race God has set before us. Each one of us has our own race that we're supposed to be running. You know, I can look at somebody and, and I could be like Peter and say, what about this man? When talking about John, what's going to happen to him? And we look at us and we think, well, God has given us this race. It's not about anybody else. This is my life that God has uh, set before me for me to run this. And how do we do it? It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the one <clears throat> who did it the best of all, the champion of this racing through this world. And he initiates starts, begins, and perfects our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is the way that we can walk through this world, run through this world the way that God has planned for us to do. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame, the heartache, the hard stuff of this world. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He endured all this because of the joy of what was coming, like Minty said, of seeing his father, of seeing us, the joy that would come and the reward. He, is, he has that reward of sitting by his heavenly father now. Namibia is hurting right now. Namibia is really in chaos right now. You and I are all experiencing that. And we gotten to where, and I hear people say, I don't even want to look at my phone in the morning because there's so much bad news when you look at your phone. So how are you personally running your Christian race today? Not how did you used to run it, but today, how are you running your race? What are your expectations of God in this crisis we're going through? What are your expectations of yourself in this crisis we're going through. Do you have what I would call the give me's 
of God, that expectation. In John 6, that entire chapter is an incredible chapter. If you want to get your Bibles and look at it with me, but in John 6, uh, I would suggest you read the whole chapter so it would all be in context. But I'm taking just little pieces out of it. Jesus, at the start of it, um, verse 1, feeds the 5,000. And then after that, uh, starting in verse 26, it says, uh, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. Jesus knows their heart. They're following him and, and don't want to be without him and searching for him. He says, I know what you want. You want the miraculous signs. He says, so don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. He's telling us, look for the eternal things, not just the comforts of this world. But they replied in verse 28, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? That was really cool. They were going, can we do this? Can we be a part of that? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who has, he has sent. And they answered, again, they're just not understanding. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Well, that sounds really tacky, doesn't it? I mean, would you say that to God? If you want me to believe in you, show me a miracle. Show me what you can do. What can you do is what they're saying. But you know, we do the same. That's our gimme prayer. Lord, if you will do this, then I really will believe in you this time. If you'll just heal this person or make this uh, me successful or whatever we're seeking, that you would not allow somebody I love to die, that you wouldn't allow suffering in my family. We go through that and we think, you know, that if God would do that for us, then maybe we'd believe. And He knows our heart. We pray in such a way that only good things would come to our family, that we would never experience any of the heartache. Do you demand that God do what you want? Do you demand that He is in your snap like that? Back to John 6, we find the followers of Jesus still struggling to decide whether or not they want to continue following Jesus. Uh, starting in verse 60, many of the disciples said to Jesus, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he says to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. We can do nothing. I think that is so important for us to finally get to a place that we realize we can do nothing. We need a Savior. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, his disciples turned away. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? And here is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. You know, I, that's the way I think. I think 
It is so bad. So where else would I go but to Jesus? Where else would I be clinging to right now except to Jesus? But as it said, many of the crowd, many of his followers left him and walked away. So many believers fall away as soon as there is trouble and sorrow. In Galatians 5, 7 through 8, it says, You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Sheesh, that's a hard verse to hear. Who has held you back? You are running so, so well. This verse makes me so sad because I know so many people who were running so well, and something caught them, whether it was disappointment with God, disappointment with themselves, that the world just pulled them away, temptations got too much for them, and they walked away when life became out of their control instead of clinging to the one who has all the control. Today, in Namibia, we're sad, we're scared, we're out of control, totally out of control. The Bible talks often about trials coming to test our faith. You and I know tests. We've had tests in so many different ways. How will we respond is the question that we have to ask ourselves. What kind of things would we do when we are being tested? You know, Sibylla always likes to quote C.S. Lewis, and she's always got these great Quotes. So in keeping with her example of how to quote wise people, mine's Dr. Seuss, who says, You have brains in your head, and you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. We do have brains in our head and feet in our shoes. We do have a choice of the direction we choose. And so we are having to make this choice every day. Do I follow Jesus well? Am I going to continue running this race well? Jesus warned us that there was going to be difficult times. He warned us that there's going to be drought, job losses, cancer, children trying to find their way, difficult marriages or co-workers, pandemics. He warned us in John 16, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I hate trials and sorrows. I hate them. I really dread them. I love, though, what I discover after trials and sorrows. I love what God did through me during that time, how he grew my faith, how he showed me things about himself that I had not ever known. Larry Crabb says in Shattered Dreams that you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Do you make a plan for the days of trials and sorrows? You do. I know you do. Maybe not in the spiritual sense, but you do with life insurance. You have medical aid. You have retirement funds. You buy extra warranties on your cars or appliances. You are planning for the day of trials, trials and sorrows that come. So we need a spiritual plan too. We need a plan because Jesus has said, you are living in a tough world. We need a plan for the tough world. We need a trial and sorrow plan. So number one, be purposeful in making plans in the quiet time. 
I have said a thousand times, when my first husband died and I was 31 years old, I questioned God, I got angry at God, I struggled, and I have said since that day, so now we're many, many, many years, and I still believe this with all my heart, I want to grow so close to Jesus that the next huge trial that comes into my life, that I actually will raise my hands with the tears coming down my face and praise God because He's still God and He's still faithful and He's still loving. That's my plan. So in my quiet days, I work very hard at trying to get more and more uh, of Him in my life and giving more and more of myself to Him. So the plans are, I pray. I pray all the time. I talk to Jesus all the time. Day, night, in between, all the time I'm talking to Him. What do I talk to Him about? Anything that's going through my mind. And lately it has been a lot of you are going through my mind that I have been praying for. I talk to Him, I listen to Him, and I just love being with Him. I have that be still time with God. There's times when my heart is so heavy, I still want to talk. I just sit with Jesus on those days. I just am with Him. I seek godly counsel. I have people that I actually trust with me, that I can actually talk to and say, here's where I am. This is what I'm going through. What do you think? That they can give me a perspective. They can encourage me during that time. Also, studying God's Word. I have learned through the years that studying God's Word encourages me in the difficult days. So start now. Start studying His Word. Make it be a part of every day of your life. Even if it's just a read-through plan with our, like we're doing with our church, with the um, version, our Bible app. But also do Bible studies. Get books to study where it's a theme that's going through there. In Psalm 119, 114, it says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. I have found that so, so fascinating during these days of pandemic that I have every morning when I'm doing just my read through the Bible, that throughout the day, those words just rotate in my mind. What I've read through the Bible, those truths carry me through the day. And I have made a plan that I don't read anything on my phone until I have read God's Word because it helps put it in that perspective for me that I can have God's truth that's holding me up Then I read what's on my phone. And this has helped me so much. Also, praise is such a great part of our plan that we do. Uh, Remembering and enjoying with God uh, who He is, who He has been, who He's going to be, that we state to Him who we've known Him to be, remembering who He is. Also, Thanksgiving. I think a thankful heart is so important that we keep a thankful heart and we're telling Him, thank you, thank you, thank you, as we go through each day. Learn uh, to know what God's voice sounds like. Listening for His voice. Spending time with Him is how you start hearing His voice. If you keep spending time, as you read His Word, as you are listening for His voice, as you're talking to Him, you will begin to know what he sounds like. Just like I know what my family sounds like, my close friends sound like, I know that voice. I have learned through the years to know what my, uh, when God is talking to me, what that voice sounds like. So practice 
doing that. And then get busy with God things. Love God. Love others. Multiply disciples who are doing the same. In uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says... Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so now what? Now we're in a pandemic. Now we're in trouble. Now we're in trials and sorrow. So what do we do now that it's so hard? We go back to the plan. We go back to everything we've been discovering about God, and we cling to these truths. We don't let go. This is not the time to let go and run. This is time to draw closer than ever as we hold on to our Heavenly Father, hold on to everything that we have ever known about Him. We spend more time praying. We spend more time listening. We spend more time talking to friends about God and what we're hearing with each other. We spend more time studying His Word and looking for comfort and finding hope in His Word. We spend time praising Him, reminding our hearts that are so fragile right now who God is and what He's doing. We spend a lot of time in Thanksgiving. We turn this day and we turn it around to concentrate on things that we're thankful for, that God is doing, that we're sure he is still on our side. And then we listen for our daddy's voice. We listen so closely as we walk through these trials. We listen closely to what our daddy's voice is sounding like. I have a granddaughter, uh, Penelope. I got to be at her um, ballet recital last year and she had just turned four and she had practiced and practiced and I had seen the whole routine. She was fantastic. She knew how to do it. And she um, gets to the recital but she had never been in this gigantic hall. They had the lights off where all of us were sitting out in the audience and the, the spotlights were on where the girls were up on the stage. A huge stage. So they come out and Penelope looks around and she knows this is not where we're supposed to be. I've never been here. This is not right. And so we have her on video. Penelope starts crying and trying to, her hands are like this and she's talking, trying to convince everybody something is wrong here. This is not right. And she's just sobbing and she's rubbing her eyes and all the little girls are kind of moving around them and around her. And all of a sudden, my son Chad, her daddy, shouts in this huge hall, Go Penny! And she stops and she looks up. You can see that she's looking out. She knows that voice. She knows exactly who that uh, is. And then she just kind of starts, she puts her hands on her hips and she starts kind of tapping her foot. And her dad shouts again, yeah! And she kind of smiles, and then she starts doing the movements. And she starts doing everything she's supposed to be doing. So when she finishes, she does the big finish like that. And Chad is just going crazy and shouting. And he, as she's wiping snot and tears off of her face and walking off, Chad shouts, Woohoo! Way to pull it together, Penny! Well, I sit there and I think, 
That little girl knew her daddy's voice in the dark. She knew that that was her daddy when nothing was making sense to her. Get busy about things about God. Let's get busy sharing Christ. Let's get busy telling people the good news of our Jesus. You know, you and I uh, have such a perfect time to be sharing Jesus right now. People really want some hope. People need to know that Jesus is still on his throne and he hasn't forgotten them. Paul says in uh, Philippians 1.12 when he was in prison, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. You know, our trauma, our, our sorrows, God uses that to spread the good news of him. You know, uh, Joni Erickson Tada was paralyzed as a teenager. She is this huge pro-life pro advocate that people listen to as she's in this wheelchair and been there for her whole life. Corey Ten Boom was in the concentration camp and her sister died there and people she loved. She had a ministry of teaching about forgiveness. We listened to her. C.S. Lewis wrote A Grief Observed After His Wife Died, and we listened to him. I have friends like Minty that when her daddy dies and she talks about Jesus, I lean in to listen. What does Minty have to say about Jesus? What does my friend Tia have to say about Jesus when she doesn't know exactly what's happening in her brain? What does my friend Jereen have to say about Jesus right now when they're trying to discover where cancer is. I lean in and I listen. You have a powerful story too. You have a story like never before as you go through these days. You know, we have that all that uh, behind us where it was the what would Jesus do, WWJD bracelets that we would wear. I think so often that was so, um, so popular that we don't even want to talk about that anymore. But I ask you, when we're walking through this, what really, really, what would Jesus be doing right now? Keeping our eyes on him, that's what that Hebrew scripture says, is that he's the one we're going to fix our eyes on. So what would he need us to be doing so he would be shining himself through us? What are we supposed to be doing? Practically, uh, right now our church is going to be taking meals to the morgue and feeding the 30 workers that are there that are working nonstop, uh, handling all the bodies that are coming through and all the families that are coming to identify their bodies. They work so tirelessly and faithfully for us there. We are going to be serving them once a week, a meal for four uh, weeks. It's going to cost about 2700 Namibian dollars each week. So, that, uh, so we've committed to four Mondays. If you personally would love to help contribute to that and give some money towards that, maybe we could even feed them longer. Maybe we can go more weeks than just the four weeks. So we would love for you to do that if you would be interested. But more than that, would you pray with us that God would be glorified in this, this ministry? I really want people to know Jesus. I've already started a conversation with somebody uh, that works there as I've been organizing this. She and I have been having God conversations on WhatsApp. How fun. Would you pray that somebody would come to know Jesus through this ministry? What else can you do practically? 
my neighbor, who's not a part of our church, baked four big uh, banana breads and said, share this with people that you see could use it as they're hurting. Uh, I saw one of our new song family church families uh, buying groceries for another family yesterday. I see WhatsApp groups praying for each other, encouraging each other, putting silly things on there to try to give somebody a little bit of laughter as they're going through that to make them smile. Tell people what they mean to you. Brian was out and one of our neighbors told him, we've just got to tell people what they mean. And he told Brian he loves him. Never before. But he tells Brian that he loves him. Can we be busy about that? What do people mean to us? And sharing this with them. You know, when we look at that verse in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And then verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. If you and I will endure, if we will continue running the race that God has set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who's busy perfecting this weak faith, one day, we're going to win the prize of eternity with God. We're not home yet. This really is not our home. This is all we know. So you can say, well, it feels like home. But this is not what God created us for. Our home is coming. And not until, though, our race in this world is finished. And so we have to keep running this race. Victor Raymond Edmond said, Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. As you're walking through difficult days in trials and sorrows, don't doubt who God is. This is not the time. This is the time you cling with all your might to who He is. We're walking through dark days, but remember the things God has told you in the light. We're like my little Penelope. And we're crying out to God going, this just is not right, God. This just is not right. But God, suddenly we hear our Father shout those encouraging words to us as we're in this race. Instead of him saying, go Penny, he's saying, go Minty, go Sorrel, go Celia, go Anna Lois, go Natita, go all you New Song Family Church, go Go! Keep running this race. As we keep our eyes focused on Him, He increases our faith. And He helps us keep running this race. He helps us do the endurance that we need. And as we're wiping the tears and snot from our face, and we start running again, we listen to Him again. And He says, Woohoo! You're doing it! You're pulling yourself together! Keep running. Keep doing it. Church family, your daddy is cheering you on. Your daddy is giving you all you need to walk through this. He promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you have a trials and sorrow plan? Keep running the race that God has set before you. Your race. And then one day, you will claim your victory 
One day, your prize will be eternity in heaven with your heavenly Father, free of sorrow and trials forever, forever free. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are in the trials and sorrows, that you know them. And Lord, that you give us all that we need if we will run to you, that we can run this race strong, that we can endure. Help us to throw off everything that entangles us, Jesus, everything that stands in our way of running this race that you have called us to run. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and that we watch you and we learn from you to know how we're supposed to do it, how we're to love other hurting people and how we're to share you with a lost world that needs to know that there's hope only found in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing us. And thank you for speaking to us and encouraging us. These things I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.